Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. If one tries to look at the Mediterranean from west to east, the obvious checkpoint of Gibraltar is nowadays the most serene one and there is no trouble between Spain and the north and the African nation of Morocco except for migrants trying to cross over into Europe. Storm clouds start to gather over the central region where Libya is torn between local forces which are respectively helped by two eastern Mediterranean powers, Egypt and Turkey. Going east, turbulence picks up. There is a dispute about dividing the spoils of the sea between Lebanon and Israel, and even more so between the bitter enemies, Turkey and Greece, which are in conflict over the resources hidden below the Aegean Sea. With exploratory talks between Athens and Ankara about to set sail, we will try to break it all down with our distinguished panelists. Joining us from central Israel is Dr. Eran Lerman, who is the co-host of TV7's Middle East Review, the Vice President of the Jerusalem Institute for Strategy and Security and a lecturer at Shalem College in Jerusalem. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me as usual. Indeed, and also joining us from another location in central Israel is Dr. Chaitan Konya Narochak, who is a research fellow at the Jerusalem Institute for Strategy and Security, as well as at the Moshe Dayan Center at Tel Aviv University. Thank you for joining us as well. Thank you for having me. And here... In the studio with us is our TV7 analyst and uh, host of TV7's Watchmen Talk, Mr. Amir Oren. Amir, give us a broader understanding of the focus of today's program. So as you said, Jonathan, uh, if we start our journey in the central region of the Mediterranean, there are signs of hope uh, in Libya uh, with uh, talks um, sponsored by outside forces, uh, the United Nations, other uh, powers. Uh, it seems as if the major combatants are ready to compromise um, uh, in a very complicated scheme in which um, a new government uh, will be chosen. Uh, we know from past experience that uh, such optimistic uh, outlooks uh, tend to fall apart uh, later on. But right now, uh, for the first time uh, in uh, a decade or so since uh, Muammar Gaddafi was toppled, uh, it seems as if the uh, uh, nation of Libya, uh, which has been cobbled uh, from several tribes and districts there, uh, is on, on the road uh, to success. Then we go uh, into the uh, Aegean and the conflict between uh, Turkey and Greece, um, on which we will focus most of, much of uh, this conversation. But just to touch on the westernmost uh, part, um, Lebanon and Israel. Uh, it has been 14 years, almost 14 and a half, um, between, before Israel and uh, since Israel and Lebanon and uh, Hezbollah and Lebanon clashed. Deterrence has been kept. But right now, because of domestic problems in Lebanon, the economy collapsing, the Lebanese uh, uh, pound, subsidies uh, almost uh, out, 
um, corruption leading to the explosion in Beirut last August, uh, with the judge investigating it uh, being ousted by the very politicians he uh, was supposed to investigate. All of that could cause an implosion in Lebanon and an explosion between Lebanon and Israel uh, because many elements within Lebanon would have an interest in trying to export uh, their problems. Indeed, uh, talking specifically about the most eastern part of the Mediterranean Sea, but I'd like to refer the next point to uh, Dr. Lerman. What is the current situation in which Israel is most impacted by in the whole ordeal, considering the fact that we are hearing that discussions have now emerged between Turkey and Egypt, uh, with uh, preliminary talks taking place behind the scenes. And, of course, there have been various naval maneuvers uh, when we're talking about the DINA maneuver between Israel, Cyprus, France, and uh, Greece, uh, even though the most uh, interesting thing about this specifically was the fact that the United States was not part of this maneuver, which uh, usually was under its auspices. And then uh, there was, of course, the uh, Blue Homeland maneuver by Turkey, which uh, signified, of course, uh, significant uh, firepower uh, being utilized by the Turkish uh, military uh, and Navy in particular, uh, signaling that it has the capacity to defend its interests in the eastern Mediterranean. How do you see that? Well, of course, it is in Israel's profound interest for none for this never to come to actual blows. Um, a war between Turkey and Greece is is catastrophic. Would we have catastrophic having catastrophic consequences for the Eastern Mediterranean? Um, these are um, these are power plays. These are displays of intent. But at the end of the day. Um, uh, I think uh, it is, from an Israeli perspective, a very good thing that Turkey and Greece should sit down uh, from a position not of Turkish uh, dictation under under threat, but from a, uh, from a, in, a, in a diplomatic manner to resolve the, the question of delineation of the borders in the Eastern Mediterranean in an equitable way. The same is also true for the Turkish-Egyptian relationship. What is important for Israel in such a negotiation would be to ensure that the, the delineation does not cut off Egypt, Israel, and Cyprus uh, from, uh, for example, the European markets, because there's a question mark as to whether it is possible to lay a pipeline or a, or, or a power line um, from, for example, Cyprus or the, uh, common, the, the common area of, of gas fields in the Eastern Mediterranean uh, if it has to go through a Turkish um, and Lib or Libyan territory uh, under political control from Ankara. Um, so we want to be in a situation where the Turks have some redress for their grievances, but the, the, the map that will emerge in between uh, the Turkish-Libyan map and the Greek-Egyptian map will be one that does not block Egypt, Israel, and Cyprus from having access to Europe. This is a strategic interest. It can be resolved. It is not beyond human uh, ingenuity to produce such an outcome. This is what is important to us. 
Beyond that, what is also important to us is to maintain the alignment of forces that runs from the UAE all the way to Paris, includes and includes Israel, Egypt, Greece, uh, Cyprus is not a power, but it is part of the alignment, um, and uh, also to maintain stability in Egypt, which is very, very important for Israel. And for if Turkey can, can reduce its level of uh, meddling in Egyptian affairs and in Libyan affairs, it would be a benefit. Indeed. Dr. Konya Narochak, your perspective on this, especially after the, the first round of exploratory talks between Ankara and Athens already took place uh, some time ago. Nevertheless, ever since that occurred, we had repeated uh, exchanges of uh, rhetoric, uh, exchanges of accusations about uh, various uh, disagreements. And we see, of course, also uh, the, uh, the Turkish side more held back to a certain degree, considering the fact that uh, later this month, uh, or actually next week, uh, we will have uh, the leaders of uh, EU member states uh, reconvene uh, once again to discuss uh, the Turkish question, the GNC and Eastern Mediterranean in particular, with uh, EU foreign policy chief uh, Josep Borrell expected to prepare a document monitoring Turkish activities and also providing recommendations for potential punitive measures if uh, EU member states are able to reach a consensus on doing so? Well, uh, from the Turkish point of view, uh, the uh, this issue of the Eastern Mediterranean is also, it's not only related with natural gas, but it is very much related with national sovereignty. And uh, as far as we know, uh, the Turks historically regarded the uh, Mediterranean Sea as a Turkish lake. Uh, When you're looking at the Turkish school textbooks, you're going to see this uh, perspective that it is passing from generation to generation to uh, to the uh, Turkish citizens. And uh, as a result, given the fact that the uh, Turkish foreign policy became uh, Mr. Erdogan's public relations instrument, uh, he cannot uh, basically give up easily uh, from Turkey's uh, rights uh, in the eastern Mediterranean. And uh, as a result, Turkey until today uh, adopted a brinkmanship policy uh, vis-a-vis Greece. And this brinkmanship policy basically provided a very important support for Mr. Erdogan at home in terms of constituency. Uh, But uh, uh, besides that, I I also would like to mention here other dimensions of this uh, this, uh, picture. Uh, recently, the Turkish foreign minister Mevlüt Çavuşoğlu announced that Turkey is willing to launch a normalization with Egypt, and this normalization uh, act uh, should, he said, that should be uh, also supported with a new uh, maritime delimitation agreement with the Egyptians. And when we are looking at the that uh, particular map, we're gonna see that, uh, of course. Uh, the Turkish-Egyptian uh, uh, zones uh, are uh, designed at the expense of the Republic of Cyprus and uh, Greece. Of course, from the uh, Egyptian perspective, uh, this would mean uh, to sacrifice their uh, relationship uh, with the Greeks. And as a result, until now, we did not uh, hear and see any concrete positive uh, Egyptian uh, response to the Turkish offer. But uh, something very important there, uh, 
Uh, as you may remember, last December, uh, the Rear Admiral uh, Jihad Yaycı published an article uh, at uh, the Turkiscope Journal at the Moshe Dayan Center, and he proposed a map there. And uh, in that particular map, we we began to see a new uh, a, a, a new understanding that Turkey sees Israel as its uh, maritime neighbor. And that particular border can also be seen in the proposed uh, Turkish map that was submitted to the Egyptians, meaning that Turkey is trying to persuade uh, the Egyptians with the same map. They are trying to convince them in order to put an end to this alliance between Israel, Egypt, Greece and Cyprus. And very ironically, which I would like to underline this fact, that uh, the most important, I mean, the architect of this alliance was Mr. Erdogan himself and his uh, foreign policy doctrine called the precious loneliness. Nowadays, Turks are doing everything to put an end to their loneliness. But until now, the decision makers in Jerusalem and in Cairo, uh, as far as I understand, they are not ready to sacrifice their relations uh, uh, with uh, Athens and Nicosia. Quite evidently so, Mr. Oren. When we're talking about those Turkish attempts, it seems like they are futile attempts, considering the fact that also just recently there was an agreement uh, af during an uh, East Med forum uh, in which Israel, of course, signed an agreement uh, with Egypt, with Cyprus and Greece, uh, f uh, or several agreements uh, also in order to uh, create an underwater line of, of uh, electricity uh, connecting the Israeli electrical grid to Europe for times of emergency. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and to what degree can any agreement actually with Turkey emerge if it uh, does not recognize Cyprus as uh, a contender for any possible uh, or viable uh, uh, sovereign position? Well, along with uh, the Israeli dependence on the United States and the uh, excellent uh, strategic relationship with Washington, the fact that Egypt is at peace with Israel is Israel's most important asset. And it is not going uh, to sacrifice that for uh, some passing benefit uh, from Turkey especially not under Erdogan, he's mercurial, he may be uh, one day positive, the next day um, uh, negative. It's a bipolar uh, foreign policy. But more than that, Egypt cannot sacrifice Greece because of the powerful Greek lobby on Capitol Hill, which Egypt uh, dare not contend with because of the delicate relationship between the Biden administration and the Sisi government, especially on human rights, especially because there are dual nationals, American, Egyptian, uh, still harassed by the Egyptian security forces. From the Egyptian perspective, they are acting against terrorism and sedition, but it doesn't matter. There is a powerful group of uh, American uh, congressman from the progressive uh, wing of the Democratic Party that the Egyptians uh, should not 
get uh, into a fight with. So, so uh, whatever Erdogan is trying to do to put a wedge between uh, Egypt and Greece is bound to fail. But let me just mention something which is um, seemingly not political, but still a geopolitical fact. Israel is now contending with the COVID-19 crisis. And what happened? It decided to close Ben-Gurion Airport, and many thousands of Israelis have been stuck outside, abroad, many of them in Greece and in the Greek islands. They cannot come back home. When Prime Minister Netanyahu, earlier this month, wanted to fly to Dubai, he had to ask permission from the Jordanians and then to cross over Saudi Arabia. This is all problematic. So Israel, as a Mediterranean country, should always be careful that its relationship with its neighbors, some to the east, such as Jordan, uh, but mostly to the west, Egypt, Cyprus, Greece, this should be paramount in the considerations of uh, policymakers in Jerusalem. Indeed, of course, it illustrates the, the unique situation of Israel, but the, the skies have been opened uh, since then. But you know, uh, um, Chai mentioned uh, the, um, the precious loneliness, uh, or as the British used to call it, splendid isolation. Usually this is what empires say when they really believe that they're isolating the rest of the world. But after a while, they tend to regret it. Indeed. Uh, Dr. Lerman, uh, I'd like to understand your perspective. Uh, the, the East Med Forum, of course, took place. There were various agreements uh, signed, uh, MOUs uh, were brought forth, and uh, uh, plenty of there was, of course, uh, uh, focused on bolstering relations or, or uh, multilateral relations between Israel, Egypt, Cyprus, and uh, the uh, EU member state, Greece, uh, France was there as an observatory as well, if I'm not mistaken. How do you... France, is, France has now been uh, accepted as a full member. Okay. So together with Italy uh, of, of the EMGF. So okay. it's by now not East. It's a Mediterranean forum, really, because France is, of course, in the Western Mediterranean. Correct. So uh, to what degree do you see this actually bolstering... Uh, this camp or alignment, as uh, you stated earlier, uh, with regard to uh, the grievances which Turkey has, considering the fact that it is mitigated from expanding in, in territorial waters, which uh, obviously uh, the, the East Mediterranean or the Mediterranean at large is very uh, dense when we're talking about various state actors. Well, um, the Turkish push for broader rights and a larger chunk of the Eastern Mediterranean um, economic waters, easy, um, was already being resisted by the French before they actually joined the EMGF. They took a very firm position in support of Greece last year and, and, and uh, more recently. And um, they have um, been selling uh, advanced uh, fighter aircraft to Greece. They have offered uh, the Cypriots some support, maybe a, a, a French military presence in the region. We are talking about a very serious uh, uh, French commitment to prevent Turkey from dominating and from overrunning uh, the, the balance uh, of power 
in the Eastern Mediterranean. The fact that France is now a full member, France is very close to the UAE. The UAE is also uh, aligned against Turkey on Egypt and on other issues. Uh, I, this could lead either to a confrontation or to a reconsideration in Ankara of their priorities. Um, the fact that the, the Biden administration was giving Erdogan the cold shoulder, uh, Erdogan was waiting or was waiting and waiting for the famous uh, first phone call, which didn't come. Um, I think it uh, is one more reason for Ankara to reconsider. There's a lot for them to gain in, uh, in not only re trying to reach out individually to Israel, Egypt, and, and France, and try to pry them away from each other, but actually to look overall for a strategy of cooperation rather than confrontation within the framework of a Mediterranean uh, commonality of interest. There is a room for Turkey in every statement made by the tripartite meetings of Israel, Greece, and Cyprus, Egypt, Greece, and Cyprus, or the EMGF as a forum, there was also always a mention of the fact that um, this is not an exclusive club. Uh, we are willing and, and, and able to take on uh, like other like-minded nations. That was a way of saying to Erdogan, if Turkey changes course, changes trajectory, it will have a, a legitimate and honorable place in, in this uh, scheme of things. Uh, if it tries to pry uh, uh, each member of the EMGF uh, out individually, I think uh, this, is, this will fail. And, uh, and their position in Washington will only be, uh, will deteriorate further. Uh, but this can change if they change their attitude. Uh, Dr. Konya Nawochak, I'd like to ask specifically about the agreement that was uh, signed at the time between the uh, Tripoli-based government uh, in Libya and uh, the uh, and Turkey, uh, Ankara, uh, which uh, provided uh, an exclusive economic zone, basically, uh, territory between the two countries, disregarding Cyprus, disregarding Greece, and blocking Israel and Egypt uh, very much into a very small corridor uh, on the eastern line of the, the Mediterranean Sea, uh, to what degree now that the uh, that a new government, uh, or at least a caretaker government at this stage, uh, was uh, uh, voted upon in Libya and uh, things are, are set in motion, starting to change there somewhat, even though on the ground not much has changed, uh, is there now here some concern of Turkey that it needs to look at new dimensions to this uh, uh, situation, or is there now uh, more of a uh, concern because of the various factors that uh, were mentioned during the show? Well, uh, the Turkish intervention to Libya was carried out, uh, of course, as a result of this uh, maritime delimitation agreement between the uh, government of National Accord and uh, Turkey. And the, uh, the, the most important purpose uh, of this agreement was uh, to break the geographical contiguity between Greece and Republic of Cyprus. When you're looking at the map, you're going to see that the Turkish-Libyan corridor is at the expense of the Greek exclusive economic zones, especially next to Rhodos and uh, also the Crete, the island of Crete. And uh, from my perspective, uh, given the fact that the, uh, the Turkish... Uh, 
army's intervention and uh, the Turkish army's intervention in Libya, um, I mean, uh, changed the whole picture in the Libyan civil war. Uh, the Turks invested there uh, in a very, uh, you know, generously. They sent their Bayraktar UAVs. They sent uh, their um, armored uh, vehicles called Kirpi. Uh, they uh, launched their um, various uh, various uh, ghost ships that they took their uh, many arms. Uh, and therefore, from my perspective, the Turks will uh, will not give up. Uh, will remain on the <coughs> Libyan soil, and the current and the current uh, Libyan government, uh, as far as I understand, uh, they they are also aware of the fact that that the Turks uh, are not going to give up their interests since they invested uh, in Libya uh, very much. Uh, in this regard, I also would like to mention that the Turkish uh, contractor firms, the construction uh, companies, are very much eager to penetrate into uh, the Libyan market. And let me also uh, underline the fact that these construction uh, uh, these construction companies are regarded as the most important supporter of Mr. Erdogan's infrastructure projects inside Turkey. So uh, this is very much uh, connected also the Turkish economy, also. Uh, to uh, Turkey's immediate interests in the Eastern Mediterranean and also uh, to the Turkish penetration inside and also to the Turkish uh, penetration inside uh, Libya. Indeed. Mr. Oren? Let me add uh, something uh, which we haven't uh, focused uh, on yet, and that is uh, what has been happening um, either intentionally or uh, not intentionally on the maritime front, there were two probably separate incidents. One is uh, what was reported on by the Wall Street Journal, a series of uh, attacks on uh, petroleum-bearing ships coming from Iran to Syria, attacks by Israel. And the other, which was uh, depicted by, by some commentators erroneously as a reaction um, was the uh, ecological disaster, the pollution, out because of a leakage uh, from one of those ships uh, carrying uh, oil uh, from Iran through the Suez Canal to, uh, to Syria. And um, that means that the Mediterranean, we have talked about cooperation, energy, economy, but it could very well flare up and we could see an escalation both between Turkey and Greece, but also between Israel, Iran, and its proxies. We didn't speak, of course, about Russia and the fact that it does have uh, the uh, control of the exclusive economic zone of Syria, which is also a, a contender in the eastern Mediterranean, yes. even though not significantly so. But there is Hamimim base and uh, uh, the various uh, bases there. Is this uh, also a big uh, factor? Well, it, it, is, it is a factor. It is a, a permanent uh, fact. And by the way, we haven't heard about Malta. We haven't heard about Sicily and their uh, geographic boundaries. Perhaps if they look uh, south towards the Gulf of Sidra, perhaps they will have some trouble waiting for the Libyans. Who knows? Well, who knows indeed. Well, th this is all the time that we have for today. So I'd like to thank Dr. Ran Lerman, Dr. Konyan Arochak, and uh, Mr. Amir Oren for being part of today's uh, panel. And I'd like to thank our viewers as well. And we will see you next time. 
Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.